It is our pleasure to be here. Would you open the Word of God this morning to the first epistle to Timothy? 1 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 16, where we'll find our text that we have, we have looked at a couple of times before, the title of this message being Paul, an example for us. Part 3, this will be the conclusion of, of this series. Here the Word of God reads, Howbeit for this cause I obtained mercy, that in me first Jesus Christ might show forth all longsuffering, for a pattern to them which should hereafter believe on him to life everlasting. The Apostle Paul, as we've noted previously, one of the greatest men of God that have ever lived, arguably save the Lord himself, the greatest man of God that has ever lived. But he was not always that way, as we have noted before. He was a murderer. Saul of Tarsus, as he is also known, was a murderer. He, he was the one consenting to the deacon Stephen's death in the book of Acts. He was also a, uh, one that caused many, many dear Christians to blaspheme God before he was, before he was converted, before he was, uh, became a, a Christian, before the Lord turned his heart on the road to Damascus in Acts chapter 9. He was, uh, he, he was a, a horrible man. For, for lack of a better description, he was what we would consider a horrible, a horrible man. But the Lord had other plans. The Lord had this all worked out. That was all part of his sovereign plan. Deuteronomy 29, 29 tells us that the secret things belong unto the Lord, but the things that are revealed belong to us and to our children, that we may keep all the words of this law. We have the scriptures. That is what we are to walk in accordance with. We cannot control everything that goes on in this world. God controls the rest of those things. God controls the things that are outside of our, uh, outside of our control. Here in verse 16, we'll, we'll go through it very quickly. Howbeit uh, is an old English term that we don't use very often in our language. We would say but or nevertheless, as this word is elsewhere rendered, for this cause or for this reason... Paul, uh, I obtained, Paul is the one who was speaking, he obtained or was granted mercy that in him, in, in me, in Paul, first, Jesus Christ might show forth all long-suffering, all patience is, is how that could also be rendered, but long-suffering is not, uh, you'll see long-suffering and patience in the scriptures. Long-suffering is towards people. That God may be long-suffering towards Paul, towards his people. Patience is more towards situations. For a pattern, or for a mold, or for an example. To them which should hereafter believe on him, believe on Christ, to life everlasting. He is an example for us. His story is not unique. His story is not unique in any regard. He may have had special things that happened to him, but the, the overall, what, what went on with the Apostle Paul is an example for all of us. He was a wretched man as we saw him uh, as Saul the murderer. He was also raised a devout Jew in the traditions of his fathers. Notice not the scriptures, but the traditions of men as Saul the youth. He was also of the most narrow sect of the Jews, a Pharisee. Saul the Pharisee, we examined that previously. And when he was converted, Paul the completed, 
he saw, he, he met the Lord, and the Lord changed his heart immediately. While we may have lacked the physical miracle in our conversion, the con our conversion was no less miraculous. The changing of the heart is a miraculous thing that only the Lord God may do. Our conversion is just as miraculous as the Apostle Paul's. He is also a chosen vessel by the Lord God, just as you and I are. We are also chosen vessels, chosen in the Lord Christ. Our being chosen is no less important than the Apostle Paul's being chosen. Today, we will continue and conclude our study of the Apostle Paul's life. We will see him as Paul the sufferer. Come to Acts chapter 9, where we, where we see what the Lord tells him in Acts chapter 9 in verse 15. But the Lord said unto him, go, go thy way, for he is a chosen vessel. We examined that previously. Chosen vessel unto me. This is the Lord speaking to Ananias, a brother that would then go to the apostle Paul. He is a chosen vessel. Paul is a chosen vessel unto the Lord Christ to bear my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel. For I will show him how great things he must suffer for my name's sake. That is part of Paul's, uh, that was part of Paul's life. He had, uh, he did suffer greatly for the Lord Christ's name. Come to 2 Corinthians where we see him describe those sufferings. 2 Corinthians chapter 11, he describes, he is foolishly boasting about his sufferings. Now he is making a point. He is not just seeking to do it as, wow, look at how great I am. The Corinthians sought to align him with other apostles. And, well, we're going to go with these other apostles because they're, they're super apostles. They're greater than you, Paul. He puts, he puts himself next, next to them and says, no, we're all, we're all the same. We are all apostles. Verse 22, are, the, are they Hebrews? So am I, of 2 Corinthians 11. Are they Israelites? So am I. Are they, the, are they the seed of Abraham? So am I. Are they ministers of Christ? I speak as a fool. I am more. He's not, uh, he's not saying I'm a, I'm a better minister of Christ. But he is try, intending to make a point. In labors more abundant, in stripes above measure, in prisons more frequent, in deaths oft or often. Of the Jews, five times received I forty stripes, save one. Now the Old Testament law for criminals allowed forty stripes, forty, forty lashes from a whip for punishment for specific crimes. They would do 39 to make sure that they did not exceed 40. That was uh, just in case they missed one. They would stick with 39 to be on the safe side, if you will. Here, he received 39 stripes five on five different occasions. Thrice or three times I was beaten with rods. Once was I stoned. Thrice or three times I suffered shipwreck. A night and a day I have been in the deep. In, journey, in journeyings often, in perils of waters, in perils of robbers, in perils by mine own countrymen, in perils by the heathen, in perils in the city, in perils in the wilderness, in perils in the sea, in perils among false brethren, in weariness, in weariness and painfulness, in watchings often, in hunger and thirst, in fastings often, in cold and nakedness. The, the Apostle Paul suffered greatly for standing up for the Lord Christ. It is not a common message in our day. It was not a common message in his day. It was not liked. It was not something well liked of the people. But he was willing 
to go through those things for his Lord. And, he, and though many of these are recorded for us, just so we can see he, is not, he isn't lying. He went through these things. Come to the book of Acts, chapter 14. We'll, we'll continue examining what the Apostle Paul went through. That, that was a summary provided for us. Here we get some of, the, uh, some of the explicit events that he went through. 14 and verse 1 of the book of Acts. And it came to pass in Iconium that they went both together into the synagogue of the Jews, and so spake that a great multitude, both of the Jews and also of the Greeks, believed. So they're in Iconium, they go into the synagogue preaching Christ, that Christ is the Christ. He is the one that all of the, old, all of the scriptures, the Old Testament pointed to. He is the one that, they, that it was all looking towards. Verse 5, And when there was an assault made both of the Gentiles, also of the Jews, with their rulers, to use them despitefully and to stone them. So they, they were aware of it, and they fled to Lystra and to Derbe in verse 6. Drop down to verse 19. And we see what the Apostle Paul goes through. There came thither certain Jews from Antioch and Iconium. They, they followed them, who persuaded the people, having stoned Paul, drew him out of the city, supposing he had been dead. They believed the Apostle Paul to be dead, and I believe he was. I believe he did actually die in this instance. Verse 20, Howbeit, nevertheless, as the disciples stood round about him, he rose up. And came into the city, and the next day he departed with Barnabas to Derby. I believe he did actually die, and he was, he was resurrected in his mortal body, just as many had been resurrected, brought back to life. You look at uh, Elisha or uh, Elijah. Uh, Elijah brought, brought back the, the, widows, the widow from Zarephath. Her son died and was brought back to life. Many other instances in the scriptures, Lazarus being another one, and uh, the Lord Christ spoke life to and brought him back to life. Here, I believe the Apostle Paul also died, regardless of whether he died or whether he was severely injured. This is a, sign, this is a miraculous healing by the Lord God, for if they thought he was dead and he was just severely wounded and knocked unconscious, there is no way the next day he's going to get up and travel. Regardless, a miraculous healing has occurred. And our Lord God still heals. Never forget that. Men may not be the instrument in which he heals miraculously, but our Lord God still himself heals miraculously. What a, what a wonderful Savior. What a wonderful Lord we have. They stood around him, and the next day he departed. So there he was stoned. There he was stoned by Jews from Antioch. Come to chapter 16, verse 22. And the multitude rose up together against them, and the magistrates rent their clothes or, or tore their clothes and commanded to beat them. And when they had laid many stripes upon them, they cast them into prison, charging the jailer to keep them safely. This, was, this is speaking, speaking of Paul. Uh, and if you continue to read on, you find out who that jailer was. There is a reason for them to have been there. But there they were beat and then cast into prison just as the Apostle Paul gave in his summary in 2 Corinthians 11, that in, in beatings often, in prisons often, this is what he suffered. He was there for a reason. The Lord God has purposes beyond what we can comprehend at that moment. He was there. He sang hymns even at midnight, and a great earth, earthquake happened. The doors opened. The, the jailer was about to kill himself, for if, if one prisoner escaped, it was the jailer's life, his life, for the prisoners. 
he was about to kill himself because he thought that they had all escaped. And Paul cried out, do yourself no harm. This is the Philippian jailer who, who ended up being one of God's elect and, and the rest of his family. You read on in that chapter. You will, see, you will see that God had a reason for them to be there. Paul suffered, suffered willingly. He was happy to go through these things, just as the rest of the, uh, as the, rest of the disciples were. Counted themselves, uh, they, they, were, they were happy to suffer for Christ's namesake, as you see uh, earlier in the book of Acts 17 and verse 5. But the Jews which believed not, moved with envy, took unto them certain lewd fellows of the baser sort. They took, they took lower people of society, gathered a company, and set all the city on an uproar, and assaulted the house of Jason, who was a Christian, and sought to bring them out to the people. And when they found them not, they drew Jason and certain brethren unto the rulers of the city, crying, These that have turned the world upside down are come hither also. Now note that, about, note that about the early Christians. They turned the world upside down. They completely went against the mainstream thought process. Christianity is not mainstream. But now the world seeks to turn the Lord's churches upside down. Maybe, maybe, there's, a reason, uh, maybe there's a reason why we are where we are today. Something to keep in mind. Verse 7, whom Jason hath received, these all do contrary to the decrees of Caesar, saying that there is another king, one Jesus. They were true. They were telling the truth. There is a king above Caesar. There is a king above Joe Biden. There is a king above China. There is a king of kings and lord of lords and lord of the presidents and lord of the dictators. And his name is Jesus. He is the lord of all. And they troubled the people, the rulers of the city, when they heard these things. And when they had taken security of Jason and of the other, they let them go. And the brethren immediately sent away Paul and Silas by night unto Berea, who coming thither went into the synagogue of the Jews. So there, in threatenings often, they had to flee for, for they were going to be put to death for what they were teaching. They were, the Jew, or the, yes, the Jews sought to have the Romans, just as the Jews sought to have the Romans kill our Lord Christ, they sought to have the Romans destroy or, or kill uh, the Apostle Paul for what they were saying was inciting sedition. He's inciting a rebellion. No, he's not. He is just preaching what the Word of God actually says. He is just bringing to bear the truth of the Lord God. There is a king above Caesar. There is a king above all the governments of the world, the one who, who it was said in Isaiah 9 that the government shall be upon his shoulders. And it is he that they were preaching. He was not seeking a rebellion, seeking, but yet seeking to preach the truth and, re and repentance among the people. Chapter 21. And we, we again see what the Apostle Paul went through in this life. 21 in verse 30. And all the city was moved, and the people ran together. And they took Paul, drew him out of the temple, and forthwith the doors were shut. And as they went about to kill him... Tidings came unto the chief captain of the band, that all Jerusalem was in an uproar, who immediately took the soldiers and centurions and ran down unto them. When they saw the chief captain and the soldiers, they left the beating of Paul. So the, the Jews, they were beating the apostle Paul, but when uh, tidings, rumors, words came to the chief captain of the band, of, 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 the, of the army of the Romans, when word came to him what was going on, he took, he took his, his, 
his people and went down there and they stopped beating the Apostle Paul, though they, they sought to kill him. The Apostle Paul was not a liked man. He, he wasn't intentionally seeking to offend anyone. He was just delivering the truth. The truth is offensive enough. And they, they sought to kill him, but they left off the beating of Paul, for they themselves would have been arrested for, for, for the violence, for uh, the uproar that they themselves were creating. 23 and verse 20, this is uh, a regular event throughout, throughout the book of Acts that records to us the, the acts of the apostles, what they, what they went through. 23 and verse 20 reads this way. And he said, the Jews have agreed to desire thee that thou wouldest bring down Paul tomorrow into the council as though they would inquire somewhat of him more perfectly. Now, backing up to verse 14, we see what they're actually attempting to do. And they came to the chief priests and elders and said, this is the group that desired to, to, uh, uh, to discuss with Paul what it was he was teaching. This is what their actual intent is. They come to the chief priests and the elders and said, We have bound ourselves under a great curse, that we will eat nothing until we have slain Paul. That is how much they hated what he was teaching. That is how much they wanted to kill him. We won't touch food. We will not eat until we have killed him. They made a vow. They vowed to God that they wouldn't, that they wouldn't eat until that happened. They must have died of starvation, for Paul was removed out of that situation. He, they would not get what they desired, what they desired uh, of the Apostle Paul. And Paul's sister's son, his nephew, is the one who makes that known unto him. Paul tells, uh, uh, has him tell uh, those that are overseeing. He is a, 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 I forget what it is whenever you go to the police and seek, seek asylum for your life is in danger. And they, they, they put you essentially in a prison cell. Um, they... Uh, um, if anybody knows that word, feel free to yell it out. But they, they, take, they take you under their wing to protect you. That is what Paul is in. Uh, protective custody. That's what I'm thinking of. Paul was in protective custody of the, of the local police, of the Romans, because he knew the Jews sought his life. So he had his nephew go tell uh, those who were protecting him what their intent was. Verse 20 is what, what they, how they sought to do it. Verse 21, But do, do not thou yield unto them. They're being told what their, what their goal is. But don't, don't give in to their request. They seek counsel of Paul, but they're actually going to kill him. Don't yield to them, for there lie in wait for him, of them more than forty men, which have bound themselves with an oath that they will neither eat nor drink till they have killed him, and now are they ready, looking for a promise from thee. So the chief captain then let the young man depart, and charged him, See thou tell no one that thou hast showed these things to me. They would then uh, protect the Apostle Paul with even more, even more soldiers and remove him out of the situation. He was in threatenings often. 27 and verse 10. Remember he said thrice he was shipwrecked, 27 and verse 10, and said unto them, Sirs, this is Paul, I perceive that this voyage will be with hurt and much damage, not only of the lading in the ship, but also of our lives. They, they, shot, they ought not to have left. Uh, Paul admonished them in verse 9 that they ought not to have left where they were, for they, they were going to be in grave danger. 20, uh, verse 14 
But not long after, there arose against it, the ship, a tempestuous wind called a uh, Eurocladon. It's a strong wind that brings up mighty waves. Uh, and, and ships then and even ships now, it's not a fun time to be on a ship when there's large waves. I've never been on a ship with large waves. I've been on a small ship with small waves, and uh, you still get seasick, even with small waves, and it's not very fun. The ship was caught, could not bear the wind, so we let her drive. They, we're not going to fight it. We're just going let to it, let it take us, because if we try and fight it, it's going to tear the ship apart. It's gonna de- it, would, it would destroy the shipping. Verse 41 of that same chapter. And falling into a place where two seas met, they ran the ship aground, and the forepart stuck fast and remained immovable, unmovable, but the hinder part, the, the, the backside of the ship, was broken with the violence of the waves. And the soldier's counsel was to kill the prisoners. He was on a prison ship. They were just, just like with the, with the Philippian jailer at Acts 16. It was their life, the prisoner's life, or, the, or the, the guard's life. So they said, kill all the prisoners, lest any of them escape. Lest any of them should swim out and escape. But the centurion, willing to save Paul, kept them from their purpose, and commanded that they which could swim should cast themselves first into the sea and get to land. And the rest, some on board, some on broken pieces of the ship, and so it came to pass that they escaped all safe to land. The, uh, the Apostle Paul had been given that that would happen previously. Come to verse 21. But after a long abstinence, Paul stood forth in the midst of them, said, Sirs, ye should have hearkened unto me and not have loosed from Crete. That's what he told them. You shouldn't have left. The Lord, the Lord gave him counsel that they shouldn't have left Crete. But they did and have gained this harm and loss. And now I exhort you to be of good cheer because they wouldn't have been. You remember, uh, you remember reading Jonah, the prophet, and what they were going through when he was on that ship seeking to get away from what the Lord desired for him to do? They, they were in great fear. But here Paul tells them, just, just as they were in great fear, Paul tells, Paul tells the people of his ship, don't fear, be of good cheer, for there shall be no loss of any man's life among you, but of the ship. The ship is going to be lost, but no man will lose his life. For, how does he know that? Because there stood by me this night the angel of God, whose I am and whom I serve, the messenger of God, the Lord Christ. We're not owned by a creature. We are owned by the Lord Christ himself, who is the messenger of God, the angel of God, saying, Fear not, Paul, thou must be brought before Caesar. Remember, that was part of why the Lord saved him, that he must bear Christ's name before Caesar, before kings, and before the Jews. And lo, God hath given thee all them that sail with thee. Wherefore, sirs, be of good cheer, for I believe God, that it shall be even as it was told me. They would not die, and that is confirmed at the end of the chapter, that none of them would perish. Paul was in shipwrecks often, he was in prisons often, threatenings often. He bore many sufferings. Come to Philippians chapter 3 and verse 7. But what things were gained to me, those I counted loss for Christ. The things that he had gained before Christ, the great material wealth, the, 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 admir- the, the uh, uh, admiring of men, how men looked up to him, those he counted loss for Christ. That, those are worth nothing. 
Yea, doubtless, and I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and do count them but dung, that I may win Christ. They're worthless, refuse, thrown out with the garbage, have no purpose that he may win Christ, that he might have the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ and be found in him, not having his own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith. That is what he sought. Chapter 4 and verse 11, he makes it even more abundantly clear. Not that I speak in respect of want, this is the things that he suffered. For I have learned in whatsoever state I am therewith to be content. Whatever he had been given, he was, he was happy with. For that was God's providence unto him. I know both how to be abased, how to be, uh, how to be humbled. And I know how to abound, how to be given a great many things and not to grow prideful with those great many things. Everywhere and in all things I am instructed both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. Both all the things that Christ has, has for us to do, he provides the strength and the grace for. All the things that he would have us to go through, we can get through with Christ, the one who strengthens us, both to abound and to suffer need. Both of those things we can get through. What do you mean we can get through abounding, having great material wealth? There are a great many, many sins. Pride in, in, in particular can build up in one if one is abounding. One can look to those things. You see the church of Laodicea, which we'll eventually make it to uh, in Sunday school. They, they have uh, increased, increased in riches and material wealth and have need of nothing. That's what the scripture says. But it could also be rendered no one. It is a neuter. It could be rendered no one. They have need of nobody, not even the Lord, is how they saw themselves. We always have need of the Lord, whether we're abounding or whether we're in need. We, we always need the Lord God with us. Paul understood these things. Second Timothy. Second Timothy, chapter 3, and verse 10. But thou hast fully known, speaking, Paul speaking to Timothy, thou hast fully known my doctrine, manner of life, purpose, faith, long-suffering, charity, patience. Charity being an old English term for love. Persecutions, afflictions, which came unto me at Antioch, at Iconium, at Lystra, what persecutions I endured, but out of all of them the Lord delivered me. Yea, and all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. It's not a matter of if. It is a matter of when. All that seek to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution just as the Apostle Paul did. That is an example of how he is an example unto us. He suffered a great many things by serving his Lord God. And that is a wonderful thing for us to see that the Lord God delivered him out of all of them. All of them. Not one time did the Lord God not deliver him. So we see Paul there as the sufferer. Paul was, uh, suffered for his Lord. We see also that he is a student. Paul the student. Come back to Acts chapter 9. 9 and 17. And Ananias went his way, following what the Lord God told him to do, and entered into the house, putting his hands on him, that is Paul, and said, Brother Saul, Paul, Saul is the same person. 
the Lord, even Jesus, that appeared unto thee in the way as thou camest, hath sent me, that thou mightest receive thy sight and be filled with the Holy Ghost. And immediately there fell from his eyes, as it had been, scales. As it had been scales, and he received, uh, received sight forthwith, and arose and was baptized. And when he had received meat, he was strengthened. You remember at the beginning of this chapter 9, he was on the road to Damascus, and a great light appeared unto him, and said, Saul, uh, and, and him that was, that was the light said, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? Was the Lord Christ. Afterward, he had to be led about by the hand because he was blind. After Ananias came to him and, and laid, his, laid his hand on him, putting his hands on him, Brother Saul, even Jesus that appeared unto thee in the way as thou camest, hath sent me that you might receive your sight and be filled with the Holy Ghost. And scales fell off his eyes, that he might not only see who the Lord Christ is, but that he might also receive most of his physical sight. He did walk the rest of his life partially blind. He did not have, he did not have the sight as he once did. Galatians is the only epistle that he himself penned. All of the other epistles that he is, that, that he is uh, cited as the author, he dictated. You see at the end of those epistles, uh, Romans, I just finished that in my, own, in my own personal reading. I, Tertius, write unto you. It is the Apostle Paul that dictated the words to Tertius. Tertius was, was the one who penned them. Paul could not see. Galatians is the only one he wrote himself. He says at the end, I have uh, written such a large letter unto you. But Galatians is not that long, six chapters. Romans is much longer. He's talking about the letters themselves. He's blind, so he had to write large so he could see what he had written. I digress. Those scales fell off his eyes. Then he arose and was baptized, and when he had received meat, he was strengthened. Paul, a student, he then left. I know the text continues, and it makes it appear that there isn't a gap, but there is a gap. That this is why we must take all of the counsel of God. Come to Galatians. Galatians chapter 1 and verse 15. But when it pleased God, who separated me from my mother's womb, first birth, God is the one who separates us from our, from our mother's womb. He is the one who, who says, it is now time for you to be born, first birth. And called me by his grace, second birth. Our new birth is also under, under uh, the authority of the Lord God. It isn't something that we do on our own. We had nothing to do with our first birth. Same way with our second birth. We had nothing to do with it. It is the Lord God who, when he is pleased, calls us by his grace. To reveal his son in me, that I might preach him among the heathen. Immediately, as soon as that happened... Immediately I conferred not with flesh and blood. Neither went I up to Jerusalem to them which were apostles before me, but I went into Arabia and returned again unto Damascus. This is what happened. Then after three years I went up to Jerusalem to see Peter and abode with him fifteen days. But if you read Acts chapter 9, it appears that there is no break. It appears that then, then Saul certain days with the disciples which were at Damascus and straightway he preached Christ in the synagogues and, and it leads straight into him going into Jerusalem. There is a time gap. There is something that happened in between there. He did not immediately confer with flesh and blood. He, confer, he conferred with the Lord Christ in Mount Sinai in Arabia. 
Mount Sinai is not located in the Sinai Peninsula. It is located in Arabia. They have found it. It is a, a, a mountain with a black hilltop because of all the lightnings and the burnings that happened at Mount Sinai. You read that in the book of Exodus. But they, they have found it. Men aren't allowed to visit it because the Arabians don't want them, uh, don't want them to know about it. But that's uh, neither here nor there. Mount Sinai in Arabia. That is where he went. You read on, you read on in, in Galatians, and he references Mount Sinai in Arabia. But that's where I went into Arabia and returned again unto Damascus. Why did he go to Mount Sinai in Arabia? Why did he go to Arabia? To be taught of the Lord. He did not confer with flesh and blood. He conferred with the Lord. He conferred with the one who has flesh. He has flesh and bone, but he no longer has blood. He has flesh and bone, but not blood. And then after three years... After three years, I went up to Jerusalem to see Peter and abode with him 15 days. The other apostles had, had three years with the Lord Christ. So would the apostle Paul here. Jesus called the apostle Paul, though he was a, a horrible man, called him into the ministry. Come to 1 Timothy. Remember, the, the Lord Christ, he does not say, I remember your wickedness and therefore you are useless to me. That is not what he says. Three times in the scriptures, and it is the only thing that the Lord God forgets, our sin. I will remember your sin no more. He removes our sin as far as the east is. He removes our sin from us as far as the east is from the west. Infinite. Infinite. Not, not just east and west on the globe, but east and west in the universe, which he continually stretches uh, stretches as a curtain. So east and west get further and further apart every second. That is how far he has removed our sin from us. That is the only thing he has ever said to forget. Here, in 1 Timothy 1 and verse 12, And I thank Christ Jesus our Lord, this is the Apostle Paul speaking, who hath enabled me for that he counted me faithful, putting me into the ministry. The Lord God is the one who put him into the ministry. It is only false teachers who place themselves in the ministry. False teachers, those wolves in sheep's clothing, they are the ones who place themselves into the ministry. I, this is the farthest, standing behind this pulpit, when the Lord called me to preach, the farthest thing from my mind was that I'm going to preach. I did not want to do that. I ran from it. But the Lord, the, when the Lord calls a man like Jonah, he will do it. He will do it. I've, I have learned to love it. It is one of the greatest pleasures of this life. But it is not something. When, when men say, I've surrendered to preach, that's true. I, have, I, have, I can't get away from the Lord God. Paul said, woe to me if I preach not the gospel. Woe to God's preachers if they do not do what the Lord God has called them to do. Paul here indicates that it is the Lord God who put him into the ministry. And he also as a, as a student, learned to make his own living from his, uh, from his Lord, just as, the, just as the Lord Christ was a carpenter. Remember, is this, not, is this not the carpenter's son? Speaking of the Lord Christ, because Joseph was a carpenter, Christ would have been raised as a carpenter. That would have been the trade that he learned as a boy. That would have been the trade that he, that he did to uh, provide for himself. Come to Acts 18. Paul had a similar trade. 18 
and verse 2. And I found a certain Jew named Aquila, born in Pontus, later, lately come from Italy, with his wife Priscilla, because that Claudius had commanded all Jews to depart from Rome and came unto them. And because he was of the same craft, Paul, he abode with them and, and wrought or worked. For by their occupation, they were tent makers. Paul was a tent maker. He, he had a craft. He learned from his Lord to have a craft, to have a way to provide for himself. Now he was, uh, and, he, and he taught uh, that, that churches pay for their ministers, yes. But he also had a craft to support, to support himself in, in, in the meantime and to not place undue burden. There were times in which he would not allow the church to provide him with, with any goods. That way he would not be uh, uh, um, given to any man. You can, you can read, that, uh, read that in many of his epistles, that he refused their care. So we've seen that Paul is a sufferer, that Paul is a student, and that he is also Paul the soft-hearted. Come to, come to 2 Corinthians again, chapter 11. In verse 28, we saw all the persecutions that he went through, all, everything that he suffered, a summary of what he suffered in this life. Verse 28 of 2 Corinthians 11, beside those things, beside those things that happened in the physical, beside those things that happened on the outside, that are without, that are outside, that which cometh upon me daily on the inside, the care of all the churches, he cared greatly. For all the churches, so much so that he that he lists it in his afflictions, that he lists it in the things that he suffered. He suffered great things on the outside, physic, physical beatings, physical whippings, physical shipwreck. But he also suffered on the inside. What what are most of the epistles written for? Correction, instruction in righteousness, things things that needed to be taught. That care that he had for all of those churches, he, he lists under his afflictions because of how much he cared for them, that they would, that they would walk not contrary to, to the vocation wherewith they've been called, but with, along with, aside with the vocation wherewith they've been called, that they would walk worthy of that vocation. Ephesians 4.1 his, begins his exhortation. Of, Ephesians, uh, of the church in Ephesus. After everything, chapters 1 through 3, that God had done for his people. Then, chapter 4 begins the exhortations, the encouragements, the admonitions to walk worthy of the vocation wherewith they were called. They were already Christians, so walk worthy of that vocation. That is the care that he had for all the churches. So he, he, was, he was greatly troubled by all of the issues that they were having. Galatians, how, oh you foolish Galatians, how quickly are you to turn away from the gospel that I taught you, the gospel which is, not, uh, which is another gospel, but it is not another. It is, not, uh, it, is, uh, it is heteros, it is one of a different kind. It is not alas, it is not one of the same kind. It is not the same kind of gospel, it is a completely other gospel. It is not good news. It is not the same, even close to the same kind of good news as the Lord Christ dying for one's sins. That is the care that the Apostle Paul had for all the churches. First Thessalonians, he, he, make, he, he makes that clear also. First Thessalonians 4, 
18, this is the point of what he wrote, 1 Thessalonians 4. You'll see it again in chapter 5. Wherefore, or then, comfort one another with these words. He is intending to write to provide comfort for the Thessalonians. They were, they were in great fear, and he is providing comfort. Chapter 5 and verse 11. Wherefore, we'll get verse 9 for context. For God hath not appointed us to wrath, but to obtain salvation by our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us, that whether we wake or sleep, we should live together with him. Wherefore, or then, comfort yourselves together, and edify one another, even as, ye also, even as also ye do. And we beseech you, brethren, to know them which labor among you, and are over you in the Lord, and admonish you. Comfort yourselves with these words. That is the point of what he's writing, First Thessalonians 4. We can, we can gather much doctrine, much teaching out of it, but that is the reason why he is writing, to provide comfort for those Thessalonian, for those Thessalonian saints. Second Timothy, again, Second Timothy 2 and verse 9. <clears throat> Wherein I suffer trouble, Paul, I suffer trouble as an evildoer even unto bonds, but the word of God is not bound. He's, he's bound like he's an evildoer, though he's not. But the word of God, it's not bound. It doesn't matter if, if the preacher has, uh, has handcuffs on or not. The, the word of God isn't bound. Therefore, I endure all things for the elect's sake, for the sake of God's elect, that they may also obtain or come to, uh, come to a full understanding of the salvation which is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. That is why he goes through all that he goes through the care that he has for God's people, for the elect's sake, for the sake of God's elect. Paul is not only a sufferer, he's not only a student, he is not only extremely soft-hearted. The Saul of Tarsus that we knew at the beginning of the book of Acts, hard-hearted Saul of Tarsus, but now we see that he's soft-hearted. He cares about God's people, but he is also the Savior's servant. Come to Second Timothy. Come, we're in Second Timothy. Turn to chapter four. Chapter four and verse six. He has served his Lord God. He has served his Lord all of uh, ever since he was called. In verse six, for I am now ready to be offered. I am now ready to be offered, and the time of my departure is at hand. He knows he is close to the close to the end of this life. I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have done everything I was supposed to do. I have kept the faith. Henceforth, there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day. Remember how much he cared for all the churches? Here again, even on his deathbed, care for all the churches, and not me only. Paul knows he's not the only one that's going to receive a crown of righteousness but unto all them also that love his appearing. Even on his deathbed, focused on Christians, focused on his brethren, focused on those for whom he suffered all things for. He suffered all things for the chosen, for the chosen people of God, for the elect's sake, for the sake of God's elect. And here, even on his deathbed, he knows that he is coming to the end, but he is still thinking of others. He is still thinking of God's people and, and what awaits them. 
providing hope, providing us with an understanding of what awaits us. Same thing that awaited the Apostle Paul. The story of God's grace in the Apostle Paul is a wonderful, a wonderful thing to study. It is one full of mercy from the Lord and love, of, love and devotion to the Lord because he first loved Paul. Why do we love the Lord? It's not because we muster it up in and of ourselves, but because he first loved us. Same way with the Apostle Paul. God has preserved Paul's story for us that we may know that even if we are the chief of sinners, as Paul considered himself, even those that have seemingly been reprobated, yes, the wicked are reprobated. You read Romans chapter 1, that does happen. Even those who foam at the mouth with hatred for Christ. Paul was one that foamed at the mouth with hatred. He hated Christians. That is why he, he had many of the, he had uh, Stephen put to death because he couldn't answer the objections. That's why he had many of them imprisoned. Many of them, he forced them to, to blaspheme the Lord Christ because he did not in any way like Christ. He was one that would have been considered a hater of the Lord Christ. He can't, the Lord God can in the blink of an eye, just as he did with the Apostle Paul, turn that person into a lover of the Lord Christ fully devoted to him and to the work that he would have them to do. The apostle tells us by inspiration of the Holy Spirit that his story is not unique, that his story is an example unto us, and it is intended to be. How many of us from childhood into adulthood denied the Lord Christ? I myself am one of them. How many of us as adults sought to do the opposite of what the Lord Christ would have us to do? I myself am one of them. Paul, as a youth and as a Pharisee and a murderer, was the same way. His conversion is also not unique, as we examined in the previous message, in that he had a bending of his will to the will of God. We too went through the same went through the same uh, went through the same bending of the will. God bent our will to His. The new man and the Holy Spirit within us caused us not to desire the ways that we have walked in this world. But, the, but God's ways, desire, a desire to seek him, a desire to understand what it is he has revealed, a desire to seek a new and a living way, which is not a thing. It is a person. Christ is the way, the truth, and the life. We have found what our soul desired in the Lord Christ. We have found he who makes us whole. So did the Apostle Paul. Paul, the converted, and Paul, the chosen, exemplifies that for us. Paul's suffering, his studiousness, his soft heart for the people of God, and being his Savior's servant is also an example for us. May we seek the Lord, seek to emulate by the Lord's power and grace what, what Paul has left for us. In 1 Corinthians 11.1, 1, he does tell the Corinthians, follow me as I follow the Lord Christ. May we seek to emulate the Apostle Paul in that same way as he emulated the Lord Christ. May we seek to walk in all of the Lord God's ways for our own edification and for his, uh, the, his exaltation of his name. Let's bow before, uh, before our Lord God. Our Father and our God, we thank you for your word. We thank you for what the Apostle Paul